Listening to Mentors Military is Robert Gowan. We're sitting at 15 Perry Street, and I'm sitting here with my sidekick, Jason Belford. What up? So Jason's filling in for Paul, but uh, Jason's become more of a regular around here. And we have a special guest in the sense of somebody who is a mentor and a friend, um, Dave Elder. So Dave, thank you so much for joining the Mentors Military Podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> and if you can't tell, Dave is from Alabama. <laughs> Roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I want to, you know, one of the things that um, Jason mentioned to me is your family background. I guess you had a grandfather uh, who served in World War II. Tell us a little bit uh, about well, that. Korean War. Korean War. Okay. okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Dave, I mean, Jason told sergeant. me wrong, so that's all right. <laughs> Still an amazing war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. He was a command sergeant major. Okay. Uh, he was a great man. Um I don't know what to say about him. <laughs> I bet you're the the you tell the story about the name and then and then your um and then the plaque stuff you give that. Oh gosh, Jesse. Elder is a uh, Scottish name, right? Is it? Yeah, I think so. Go you ahead. Know, you anyway. know more about it than I do. <laughs> All right, you guys make me nervous now. <laughs> you get in front of tens of thousands of people. <clears throat> yeah, be fun. is this live? No, it's being recorded though. So oh, just okay. it might as well be. <laughs> oh God! Well, let, let me think about what I got to say here. Now you, you, you just jump right in. Um, so, what do you want to know about um, my grandfather? Just um, you know, he, he said he was uh, he, he had a best friend, right? And um, his well, friend, that was actually my father. Your, your father, yeah, 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 Tell best that. friend. His name was Randall Stearns, and uh, he was killed in Vietnam. So he he named me David Randall, and I named my son Jackson Randall. So it was kind of cool. We got to go to the Vietnam War Memorial, and and uh, I got to show Jackson where his name came from and what it meant. And I, I really didn't know the the meaning of elder. Um, it's a long story behind that, but. Um, so I just told my son that it, it meant uh, a warrior's heart. So I told him growing up, you know, hey, your, your name means warrior's heart. Never forget where you come from. And um, my wife, when he went off to the military, he's in the Air Force now, uh, she wrote a little piece, and in there it said, uh, it said, obviously, to know Jackson, he never Googled it because he only just believed. That's amazing. And it was kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, so what is the story between your father and this gentleman? Well, Randall Stearns, they were just high school buddies, and I uh, went through the draft, and, um, and Randall um, was shot and killed in, in Vietnam. And so I don't know a lot about the story. All I know is that my dad would take me to the Stearns' house every now and then, and yeah. I would play in the front yard and didn't really know why I was there, and they would come out and watch, and then I would get in the car and leave. And later on in life, I learned that, um, you know, that was Randall's parents. And so my dad, I maybe didn't know what to say or what to do, but they loved watching me come uh, play in the yard. It, so. Did you ever do any research on this guy? I mean, like, you know, go and get his military file if you can or, you know. No, it's a, it's a great, that's a great point, and I probably should do that. Yeah. Um, we have a, a memorial in Tuscaloosa where I'm from, and, and he's on the uh, wall there also. Awesome. So, 
pretty but, neat deal. But never done uh, any more deeper research just to get to know the guy. Uh, yeah, I have it. Very, very interesting story though. Um, and I mean, I, I guess it wasn't necessarily uncommon for people who had very close friends or something of that nature to name their child uh, to keep that memory going. Um, but I, I, you know, did your dad talk about even before service, you know, their their life or anything? And not a lot. My dad was real reserved. Yeah, yeah he didn't he didn't talk about it a lot. Okay, you get that a lot in Vietnam vets. You know, yeah, they, they, yeah, that's pretty quick. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty, but your dad didn't serve. My dad did yeah. serve. Oh, okay. He did. He did. So they sure both got did. drafted. They both got drafted, yes. They did. Served together. Served different in different theaters. Actually, um, Randall, I, I think Randall was in the Navy. Okay. Yeah, and my dad was in the, um, was in the Guard. Did you, um, did you, where'd you grow up in Alabama? I grew up in Tuscaloosa, born and raised in born Tuscaloosa. Raised in. Um, so... For you, you know, Dave's a, a, a big entrepreneur, you know, and a um, big military su- supporter. Uh, and he, well, the way I met Dave was through um, uh, Strike Hard Productions, Five Core stuff. And, uh, he, you know, he has a great story. Like, he literally, you know, built his own, like, Life, great, you know, as an entrepreneur, and his philosophies are, are unmatched. But, uh, you know, he he's done the whole like, you know, struggle, you know, living in the trailer park, one eating ramen noodles to, you know, a, a very very successful businessman now to nowadays, and to see somebody, you know, go through the, uh, you know, build that life like that, and then what I've seen, you know, a forty year old man now, but throughout life like you you know those people kind of forget where they come from you know yeah a lot of times and they they kind of get too big for the small people if you will but uh um dave and his family are, are my family so i mean i feel like i'm literally i'll go walk in my house like i'm walking at home and uh they they, they kind of took me under the wing and we'll get to that in a minute but um just to see dave and know his family and know how much they support and then how you know then his son so his son Jackson, uh, you want to tell a story about the flag day for Jackson and the, the, the army? Yeah. Um, so my son, at um, ten years old, uh, I asked. I said, well, I was this little league baseball coach. I said, Jackson, you know, we can be the the Braves. We can be. Who, who do you want to be? He said, I want to be Army. I said, Army. He said, Yeah, yeah, because he loved Jason Belford. He he met Jason a couple <laughs> years before, and he's like, I'm gonna be Army. So our little league baseball team was Army. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because so everybody else was the Braves and the Rockies, and here comes Army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, as a you fight, didn't lose, did you? No, not not very often. <laughs> um, so uh, I had Jason was coming in for a fight. Yeah. Which I had an MMA production company and. Uh, I was a promoter and a matchmaker, and um, I asked Jason, I said, hey, man, I know you're cutting weight, but man, we're playing in a tournament, man. Will you come just give these guys a little pump-up story? And so he comes in, and, and um, man, he goes goes into this in sniper mode, and he, <laughs> these, these little 10-year-olds are just hanging on every word. And, and I have a picture of all their the backs of their jerseys just watching Jason, you know. And, and at the end, he, he gave Jackson a flag. And that's the first flag he ever gave Jackson. Yeah. And um, so there's a YouTube video out there, and there's some comments under there about, you know, oh, that kid doesn't know what the flag means. And, you know, and at the time, he didn't. 
But as a mentor, Jason taught him, and he always wanted to go serve. And I didn't get to serve. I had a brain injury at, um, when I was 18 years old and had ended up having surgery on it at 24. And um, so I, I never got to serve. The rest of my family did. So Jackson picked the torch back up. And Jason, um, you know, he just followed through Jason's footsteps. So a neat story. You want to tell the rest of it with the flag? Yeah, Jackson's an outstanding kid. I mean, like I said, everybody, everybody, uh, like I said, you can spend 10 minutes around Dave and you want to spend 20 and 30 and 40. And it's just, that's his whole family's that way. Um, but they just make you better. You know, we talked yesterday about like making your circle tight. Like mm-hmm. that's that's exactly what I, I, I've tried to do because of them. But so I gave Jackson his first flag at the baseball field and I, I was cutting weight <clears throat> I was starving to death and, cotton mouth and I, I was I was about that probably I look like I'm about to die in the video too mm-hmm. my brain wasn't working and I was like I have no idea what to say to these kids right and I, I, was, I was uh I did pitching coaching for my son too you know when so I talked to baseball players and kids you know but I was like I don't know what to say to you know the kids but um I rambled through rambled through some uh, you know, the sniper partner teammate type thing, you know, and how you lean on each other. But uh, it got to like 100,000 likes or 100,000 views. That oh, was yeah. crazy. We won. Yeah, we definitely won. That <laughs> but uh, um, that we could get 100,000 on this would be great. Yeah. But, um, yeah. We, uh, we uh, you know, I gave him that flag. And um, I'll, I'll jump forward a little bit. So uh, Jackson was getting ready to leave to go off to Sear School here uh, last couple of weeks. And um, I, I have a flag that uh, – I've carried since 2010 um, on my kit. It's been on every deployment, you know, every mission I've been on. And, uh, but I've carried other flags for people, you know, and I, you know, I would get like a certificate, you know, that says this flag was flown to face the enemy, such and such. And I would give those to family members, you know, um, that, you know, were supportive and stuff. And I want them to have it, but I had mine that meant the most to me and it'd been, been to everything. And it's, you know, it's an old rugged flag. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's, you can tell it's been through the wash, but, um, my last deployment, uh, I was, my son actually deployed too, uh, and we ripped out together, which was pretty cool. And I gave him that flag to, you know, I was like passing it on. I was like, Hey, you know, the, what, what, better honor to give something that's you know i feel like when you know i'm carrying you know oh glory with me you know what i mean like um and every it gives me a purpose to be here and why you know when i put my kid on i'm like why i do what i do and that, that that's the significance to the, the, what the flag's meant to me and um uh, that flag's been on my back when you know i've uh you know had to do my job and i've lost ranger buddies and it just has so much meaning wrapped up in that flag and when I put that on my back every day, you know, I'm, when I go out, you know, it's, it's just that, that visual reminder that like, this is, this is why, and this is what depends on what we go out and do every day as Rangers. And, uh, I was able to pass that on to my son and I, you know, I kind of gave him like how, how it made me feel and why I do what I do. Um, and, uh, you know, people say, thank you for your service. I'm like, thank you. It's still that kind of like taboo thing. And, you know, you do retire. I was like, we're not today. I love doing what I do and we all do for, for our country, you know, and, um, it gives us purpose. And, uh, whenever I pass that on to my son, I kind of explain that to him a little bit and he, he, he loved it too, you know, and, um, he put it on his kit and, you know, he went, uh, did, did his job and he redeployed and I was like, I want my flag back. <laughs> 
And, uh, After all those wonderful words. That's right. But uh, I, I was like. Uh, <laughs> that's I, hilarious. For me, it was kind of like passing it. Uh, I don't know. It was just some significant, you know, like I was hopefully passing a little bit of knowledge or wealth to him, you know, protection. So your son didn't go, what the. No, he, he knew he's giving it back. Yeah. But, uh, um, so he gave it. He gave it back to me, and that and that was my last deployment because you know, like I said, uh, I'm going to leave regiment soon, and, and that was it. So I was going to retire the flag and uh, and and put it in my own um, shadow box and put you know whatever plate on it and hang it on my man wall someday when I have a house. And uh, well, I have a house. I'm in an apartment, but I have, when I have a house, <laughs> I'm not currently homeless. <laughs> close, but close, but uh, yeah. yeah, but. Uh, you know, um, and he was talking about uh, Jackson has to go through seer school before he can go, you know, fly over across the pond and do stuff because the way the Air Force, you know, does things. And I was like, man, the family, the families mean so much to me. You know, Dave's family means so much to me. And so does, you know, Jackson and um, everybody involved. And I was like, hey, I want to give Jackson my flag that I've carried and my son carried. And, you know, I thought my, I thought it was, you know, I was going to retire it, if you will, and when it, when I do, and but what better way to honor a family that's done so much for me um, by giving them something that um, that means so much to me personally, and uh, I put so much of my life into, and uh, why I do what I do, and um, I, I could never repay them for what they've done for me, so I, I want to give that you know significance to them. Um, so I was able to go up there a couple of weeks ago and give Jackson that flag and, and you know, tell him what it meant to me for him to carry it across the pond a few times. And uh, um, to, you know, I knew he would do, do it honor and justice because that's why he's doing what he's doing. And I appreciate him and him carrying the torch that, that, and the example that his dad set for him to, to continue to serve our, our great nation. So that was pretty awesome to do. No, I'm sure that meant a lot to him. Oh, my gosh. It meant as much to me and Tara, my wife his sister Gracie and we had a few friends over at the house and and they didn't know what to expect because we didn't know what to expect really and Jason pulls the flag out and gives it to him and uh it was very emotional and um you know I don't know what to say sometimes because I'm so humbled um we live in the greatest country in the world and as an entrepreneur um I graduated high school with a fourth grade reading level I'm not the smartest guy in the bunch, um, but this country gave me an opportunity, and um, I f- I'm forever grateful. I've spent um, probably most of my adult life trying to find a way to give back and say thanks, and uh, I think there's a couple of ways that we can do that. Is One, reach out and say thanks. <laughs> the other thing is do something with it. Yeah. And um, so... You know, when I'm having a pity party on myself, I think, you know, there's, <laughs> there's an amazing price that was paid for me to get up this morning and be able to go get to the plate, swing the bat, and own my own business. And uh, I'm not good at much. Um, I say all the time, if it took 10 things to be successful in business, I'm probably only good at one or two. And I have to surround myself with everybody else you know, on the team, you know, that's better than I am. But I think about Jason, I think about my son, I think about my dad and my forefathers, you know, all the, my friends uh, that, that got to go and serve. And, you know, I don't really have the right to lay around and be lazy and be greedy. Um, you know, I need to go out and do something. 
And uh, for me, it was just go out and open a business. You know, we live in the greatest country in the world to be able to do that. And, um, you know, whether it's pressure washing or uh, cutting grass or you want to go own a high-complexity molecular lab or a medical facility, um, hair salons, uh, you can do it all, you know. So thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. I want to get into how the two of you met. So, you know, you are an entrepreneur, and obviously there's been a major impact on what his family has done in your life, Jason. Um, But, I mean, we did talk a lot about... Um, you know, in this podcast, it is called Venture Military because you do want to try to find through our shows. We're hoping that the stories of our guests help mentor, uh, coach, help assist, whatever, either the individual listener or it makes an impact where they take an action and do something. That's kind of how we, you know, we wanted to try, uh, try to set it up. And obviously there's been that type of impact that's occurred here. Whether or not you go through military service, to me, it doesn't matter. You serve in different capacities. We all do that. And the fact that you're even using terms like giving back, I mean, that's the whole reason why we started the podcast is to give back, you know, to, um, to do that. And, and you, you know, have found a way to give back and everything that you've learned and, and created. So tell us how that connection even came about. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, uh, I used to try to be a fighter <laughs> um i wasn't very good i've mastered a lot but uh I, I enjoyed doing it i don't know i enjoyed i'm a glutton for punishment so i'm like here's my face punch it i guess but and i definitely have a punch punch me face i don't know why people want to fight me but back in the day they used to want to so i, I tried to uh and i used to have a lot of anger you know and issues and um i didn't really have a like an outlet to deal with that so uh <clears throat> i um i started you know uh, doing MMA and it kept me out of trouble. I did not know that about you. Yeah. And, um, Paul likes to, uh, I have a, a black belt in Shotokan karate and, uh, and, and I did a lot of boxing. That was kind of my platform, boxing, boxing, kickboxing, karate type platform. And, um, when I first, uh, got to regiment and we would, I, I had been fighting before I got to regiment and, um, <laughs> You know, everybody, you know, in regiment, from, if you're e, E6 and below, you know, back then, like, it was all about, you know, rolling. You know, let's go outside and roll. I'd be like, okay. Um, but I didn't ever tell anybody, you know, that I was you know, had, like, a ton of boxing matches. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of jiu-jitsu for the last you know, three years probably prior to that. And uh, <clears throat> I would take them outside and, you know, tap them out. And they'd be like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> So, uh, um, so Paul was like, what are you like a fucking ninja or something? You know, I was like, he'd be like, and then I was like, well, I got a black belt karate and that's where sweep the leg come from. So, and, and Legford. So that was Paul's nickname for me. Um, I love you, Paul. But, uh, he would, every time he'd see me be like, Hey, Legford this, Hey, Legford that. So literally for like four years, that was my nickname, Legford. You, you now, I think you now amassed. Three nicknames that yeah, I'm aware of. Yeah, I definitely. Are there others here? I, have, I, I probably have. I don't know. Ten. I probably have some <laughs> nicknames that can't be called on the radio. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I don't. None of that ever bothered me. You know, like I'll be like, all right, dude, that's what you. Hey, we'll recognize you. As long as we can be friends, I don't care. You know, and that, you call me what you want. You know? But uh, it was fun, and uh, and I built a bond with those guys out of it. But uh, then. Um, one of the uh, a great great ranger um, Ben Durham, 
he used to be our uh, retention NCO. He uh, he jumped into uh, one of the theaters and broke both his ankles, and uh, he ended up staying in the regiment actually and retired. But he uh, he, he was a fighter and a large, but not real tall, large, but like short, large man that could hit like a train. <clears throat> and uh, when I found out that we had a little fight club down there um, in the fight gym at work, I, I would go down there and, and him and I would spar and we'd work out and we'd do jiu-jitsu and so on. And then uh, Grant Shanneman, um, he, uh, him and Durham were really good friends. So um, I'm, I met Shannon, that's a longer story, but I met Shanneman when I was in RIP and he was a RIP cadre. And uh, we hated, uh, and I say we, like everybody in the RIP class hated Shanneman because he was a very angry little man about what, five, six, five, seven, you know, 160 pounds of just anger. And, uh, but he, he was a great ranger, you know what I mean? Like he, he, he could ranger the shit out of it, but he earned his job at RIP every day as an instructor. Um, and back then it was just pain and repetition, you know, if you could hang in there for however long, four weeks, you're good. But, uh, that's where I first met Shannon. And when I, uh, donned my tambourine and graduated, I was like, I hope I never see that little man again. <laughs> but fortunately for me, I did. Um, uh, through Durham and me and, and Shannon got uh, back together. And uh, when we started rolling together and fighting together, like we, we built a bond that was inseparable. And um, we, uh, Durham and uh, had got linked in with Dave because he owned uh, Strike Hard Productions. Um, and got Shannon in a couple of fights and we'd come up and work Shannon's corner and uh and that's where we first met Dave about eleven years ago, probably now. Um and then I started fighting for Dave and had a few fights and uh we um we we kept in touch over the years and uh you know I would come up and watch Pfizer. He'd be like, Hey you, you got any guys you wanna bring your guys up and he would uh yeah, he's like however many guys you want and he would bring us all up you know, whether it be six or 16 guys, <clears throat> he would, we get, uh, and treated as, you know, at 2000 people event, you know, like, like rolling the red carpet out, you know, and, um, staying at nice, stay, we would, all the motels were paid for, you know, and he would, they, we would get in the ring with the number one heavyweight contender at UFC, you know, and like, um, just the whole, you know, he literally, I would say made, you know, but when he'd get in the uh, ring and hit, talk about us you know and he would you know tell the people like we were celebrities there and just like he just showered us with that and it was you know it was all you know it was felt good you know you're like i don't know what to feel right now but <laughs> um but uh when we uh um i think this is going to be the hard part so uh i'll probably get emotional just to say that out loud here but <clears throat> so um <coughs> We, uh, so we kept, we stayed in touch and, and, uh, um, we lost Shannon, uh, to suicide. <clears throat> and that's why we talk a lot about, um, this, uh, this show about, um, mental health and stuff and getting, getting help. And, uh, cause it's, it's, you know, it's a big part of our life and how, you know, you can't get help. You, you don't get help. You, you know, you're going to end up like, you know, unfortunately Shannon, you know, and so, Shannon, uh, you know, he took his own life, and um, that was a, 
that was like a changing point in, in um in Dave and our Dave in my life and uh you know he reached out to me and he's like <clears throat> he's like I love you brother you know you know I'll always be there for you and and uh all the hard stuff I went through you know and um I uh you know I text him and call him and then he kept in touch and he would bring our guys back up and when I was a platoon sergeant he brought I mean, a, a squad plus up and put, put the guys in the ring and fed them and I mean you know just always being there for for all of us you know and he, he everybody that knows Dave and then all of Dave's friends are exactly like that too um, and it goes to about surrounding yourself with like-minded people that you know care and support and um, any of them, you know, any of the people that, that, that Dave would introduce you to would do the exact same thing as Dave, and that's the kind of people they are. So, um, <clears throat> so uh, this is going to be the hard part, but uh, take your time. So, um, we're in no rush here. So, uh, you know, um, I, I, I'm being humble because I, I, I want other people to get help too be, and, and uh, find their Dave and their elder family. So I was going through a really hard time about three or four years ago and um, I uh, I um, sat on the back of the tailgate my truck <coughs> and I had to drink a bunch of liquor and alcohol you know and uh I was in that dark place, you know, and, you know, at that time, uh, you, you don't see anything, you know, you don't see tunnels, or you don't see people, <clears throat> you don't see problems, um, <clears throat> you don't see purpose, you know, and, uh, put a gun in my mouth and I was literally squeezing the trigger and my, my fucking phone went off and uh, I was ounces away from it going off <clears throat> and um <laughs> alright man I, uh, I looked down at my phone and it said Dave Elder on it and uh, I opened it. I said, uh, it's 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. It's like, hey, brother, things about you. I just want to say I love you. <laughs> and uh, people don't believe there's um, something higher than us out there. They're crazy. Things happen for a reason. There's a reason why that phone went off where the trigger did. And um I uh talked to Dave for a couple hours on the phone and and uh uh you know. What what was it that caused you to to pick up the phone and, and call? You know, I'm a Christian, 
And I don't know why I picked up the phone to call that time. Yeah. But when we go back to Grant, I was communicating with Grant right up to the point that he committed suicide. It gets me choked up hearing the story because I really, we've only talked about this one time, but uh, I knew Grant was going through a hard time and maybe there were times that I should have picked up the phone and called Grant and um, I didn't. And when that happened, I said, it'll never happen on my watch again. So I knew Jason was struggling and I was getting ready to go to bed, and I said, I'm check on him. Just out of the blue, nothing, yeah. I didn't know anything. I just, you know, I wasn't going to let those moments pass again. And um, <clears throat> so I just called him, you know, and I didn't know. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that, um, you know, God had another purpose for Jason, and he, he says all the time, you know, you saved my life, and I, I didn't do anything. You know, I just picked a phone call. I didn't even know anything was going on. Right. I don't feel like I deserve any credit for that. <clears throat> but my family loves Jason. Um, uh, we love all our military guys. And um, I'm just grateful, very humbled. And um, I would do anything in the world for, for any of them that I can do, you know. I'm just very humbled. We love you, Jason. Yeah, thanks, Dave. When you, uh, when you got that call, <clears throat> it was at that moment you're sharing that, you know, you now had to keep composure at a time which pretty tough for you. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I drowned. Um, I don't remember a lot of the call. I, I was really drunk, you know, and, um, I'm sure it was just, you know, Dave telling me my self-worth and my family. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... It, and it's not an unusual story in some regards because I've heard this story by others where it was a, a very similar thing. It was somebody sitting in the, the car about ready to pull the trigger and the phone rings and it's someone asking, you coming down for dinner? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'll be right there. Put the gun away. Um, I know at least two other cases that were like that. Where for whatever reason, that other person at that moment made a decision. And it's not like, you know, you we can't beat ourselves up for um, those times where we didn't do that. But... The impact that that made at that moment when that phone rings and, you know, you got to get composure and you got to snap back into it. There's somebody on that line that means a lot to you that's calling and, you know, you picked up the phone. That's the difference. You didn't like look at that and go, all right, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not answering that right now. That's not what I want. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, at that, at that moment, it's, it was about what, you know, Dave meant to me, you know, and I've almost snapped back into reality type thing. And, um, you know, I do say Dave saved my life. You know, I know it's, I know God was, yeah, they had the hand in it, you know, and that's exactly why, you know, Dave called me. And, um, at that exact moment, there's no other explanation. I, and 
at nothing could explain it. But um, what it did for me was uh, it took me a couple of years, you know, but um, with Dave and then, you know, came Marcus, our other buddy, and then Havoc, you know, and um, Dave made that happen, you know, and Havoc's my best friend, obviously, you know, he goes everywhere with me and he literally, you know, and that gave me a, um, you know, I had my kids and my family, but I was being selfish at the time, you know, and I thought that, uh, you know, um, I was a, <clears throat> a a shitty person and a shitty husband and, you know, a worthless dad and um, my kids didn't have all these things or my wife wasn't this way and all that, all that, you know, compounding, you know, and I was like, you know, I've, you know, my, you know, fucking childhood, you know, was okay at times and my, but my deployments were horrible at times, you know, like all those compounding things just, you know, I was like, fucking I'm out, you know, and, uh, and I'm really, um, you know, and, and over the last, you know, definitely the last like year and a half now, uh, I've done a lot of, um, so, you know, I, first of all, I, you know, I ended up passing out in my truck in the back of the tailgate of the truck and I wake up the next morning to they several missed calls and I called him back and we talked for another several hours and then, you know, the havoc ball happened literally like when Dave, <coughs> when Dave wants something to happen, like, it happens. And well, well, so like, wait, it, that morning and stuff when you <clears throat> you had called uh, periodically and then you know he called you back and everything. When, how long was it from that point before you you knew this, this story? How- well, I never really knew the full story until probably a month ago. Um, and, I, and we're talking how many years ago? Uh, three, at least three. Yeah. Yeah. So three years passed, and you never knew the impact of that call. I didn't know the impact of that call. No. Um, I knew the next day. I knew he was struggling. Yeah. And then, you know, as soon as I woke up, I started calling Jason. Hey, you know, wake up, buddy. Where you at? And, um, you know, he had, he had lost his dog. And um, in conversation, he said he, he needed a dog. And uh, so, by God, I was getting him a dog today. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, so I started calling around, and um, there were some programs out there that um, guys had dogs, you yeah. know, for service dogs. And Jason didn't need a he didn't need a poodle. Nothing wrong with a poodle, but yeah. I mean, Jason's he's a warrior. He needed a Belgian, you know. <laughs> he needed a, a Mao. And um, so I started looking around, and I found a program, and and uh, they called and they said, "Hey, we think we can get him a dog." Um, I said, you know, whatever it costs, I'll get the money. Um, he, the guy calls me back, and, and he says, man, I, I want to help him. Everything would be great, but we don't have any dogs available. So that's not going to work. You know, I need a dog today. <laughs> he goes, well, I know this one guy. His, his name is Marcus, <laughs> and uh, he said he, he trains dogs, and they're real high-end dogs, um, but I don't know if he would have any to, you know, for, for something like this. I said, well, give me his number. So I call him up and I tell him Jason's story and that he's got an incredible story. Um, it basically given up everything to, to raise these dogs, wow. bought himself a farm and it had a single wide trailer on it and he made it the dog kennel and lived in a travel trailer and he had three adult dogs to sell for that year. Yeah. 
Um, these dogs are about $50,000 a piece. Holy cow. <laughs> so we only had three. So we had a potential income of 150000 that year. Potential. That's potential. And his wife and kids are in a travel trailer. And the dogs are in the single-wide trailer. And so I call this guy, don't know him from anything, and um, I tell him Jason's story. I tell him we're in, we need a dog today. Um, Jason is, is in a real bad place. And, and um, he said, uh, can you have Jason call me? He didn't give me a yes or no or anything. All I know is he's got a $50,000 dog. And um, I said, whatever it takes, I'll get the dog. You know, I didn't really have $50,000 to put in a dog, right? but we were going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Find a way. <laughs> and um, so he got, he got Jason's number, and he called Jason, and um, they have a conversation, and he calls me back, and he said, um, David, I don't know you. I really don't know Jason, but Jason's story, who he is, he said, I never got to serve in the military. He said... Um, I'm going to give Jason one of my dogs. Wow. I wait, said, well, well, so wait, he, he's never served in the military or anything. What is he, why is he raising the dog? What made him go this direction? So he's a dog trainer. Just He's a dog trainer. He is a God-given gift. He is like yeah. the dog whisperer. Okay. <laughs> he is amazing. He, he loves the military, too. And, in, in like, there's a lot of people out there that are like, that I, you know, well, I guess just want to give back. Well, the, again, this kind of goes into... Whether you believe in God or whatever, there has to be a higher being because of the way this thing is lining up. So anyway, keep telling your short story. I'm sorry. Uh, it's amazing because yeah. you really think of this this man is trying to provide for his family, and he's promised his wife and his kids, and they're living in a in a pull behind travel trailer with five people in that travel trailer, and he's put everything he has into these dogs. A week prior to this, there was a lady that came to purchase one of the dogs for $50,000. And during her introduction, he decided that it, she didn't have the character that she needed to have to handle a dog like Havoc. Yeah. I mean, and Belgians are not easy to... No, and these are pretty wound up. Fully trained security dogs. Um, you know, they, they, do, do, they do it all. And he had the maturity um, to step away from the sale of the dog. And so he comes in and he tells his wife, I'm not selling her the dog. He, he made, I mean, she came down, spent two days with him, cash money, buy the dog. I'm not selling the dog. And they, they almost had a divorce over it. Wow, I can only imagine. Right, I can only imagine what that was like. Yeah. Well, the next week, I call. And I say, hey, I've got this guy, you know, he's in bad shape. He needs a dog. He talks to Jason, asks Jason to come down to, the, to his facility. He calls me right back on the phone. He said, look, I don't know why. He said, like, Lord, just put it on my heart. I'm giving Jason this dog. And he said, mister, if you want to pay me something for the dog, that's fine. But you don't have to pay me a dime. I'm giving him the dog. So how would you like to have that conversation when he got back to his family to say, I just gave a third of our income away. I don't know why, but I just feel led like I'm supposed to do that. Yeah. So there's one thing to um, have to explain to your wife um, that you've just turned down somebody who was willing to give you $50,000 for a dog, but then a week later to turn right back in and go, and by the way, um, we're going to 
like you said, lose a third of our income here, potential income for the year, just because I felt that that's the right thing to do. That's right. So I knew like God was working <clears throat> in the situation. Jason takes off. He goes down there, falls in love. He actually told him, if I'm telling the story right, take your pick of any of these dogs. So they were all trained and ready at that point. They were all fully ready. Yeah. And um, he allowed the dogs. Jason just said, let the dogs pick me. And so Havoc came out, really picked Jason. Marcus is like, man, I've never seen a dog. I, none of my dogs... Uh, you know, <clears throat> the dogs are trained not to let you touch them, you know. And and like I said, when Havoc's got his vest off, like, you know. He does, yeah, he's he's just an awesome dog. Yeah, when he's got his vest on, he knows. He's a work. He's yeah, working. And he won't let you pet him, you know. And he, he'll, like, I want to be petted, but I know I shouldn't. Yeah. Um, And they're trained that way. And he, he's really a, a great dog. And, and Mark's an amazing God gives a talent in the training dogs. But, um, yeah, Havoc, like, he literally came out and walked in a couple of circles and walked literally right over to me. And Mark was like, I've been doing this for years and that's never happened. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, we'll see if he'll walk with you and all this stuff. And he stuck right beside me. And it was literally like we walked and he was like looking up at me and I'd stop, he'd stop and I'd pet him and love on him. And then we'd start again <clears throat> and Marcus would call him and he would look at Marcus like, I don't know. And he's like, when I call my dogs, they come. And uh, he would have to call him a couple of times to get him to come away from me. Wow. For a first meeting. Very first. At like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And uh, Marcus never lets his dogs go home with anybody the first, usually the first four days. And Havoc went back to the motel with me that night. That's and Incredible. I spent the rest of the weekend there you know, um, just working with him and doing. You know. I was going to say, so did you have to go through some kind of formal <laughs> training uh, yourself to understand at least the limited amount of commands? And I um, unfortunately had a dog that uh, had that had the same commands that got hit by a car. And uh, my ex-wife let him out and he, d he didn't follow her in the house. And when she shut the door, I guess she forgot about him. I don't, I don't know. But. Um, no malicious intent, but he just ran off. You know, he wasn't, he didn't have the maturity that Havoc does, you know. And uh, he ran down the road, uh, our, our driveway, and, and ran out in the road and got hit by a car. So that was horrible. But um, I'd already known quite a bit of that. And then I, around work, our dogs are the same, and they, they, they use the same commands. And I'd been around that for years. And then, um, so it, it was more like um, just, solidifying that bond between Havoc and I before I left Marcus's, but he was my dog after five minutes of the first night. What made you decide that the dog is what, I mean, is it a companion or what was it that made you go that direction? People don't always go that, you know, to that direction. I knew that Jason had had a dog prior yeah. that had yeah. gotten killed and um, he had a lot of success with that dog and I just thought that... Um, you know, if we could put another warrior dog with a warrior spirit like Jason, that would be challenging, uh, like the Belgian Mile is, and it takes a lot of attention. Um, he would run with Jason. I was like, "There's your companion." You know, you won't let the dog down. And um, I really felt like Jason took on the challenge to, um, you know, I'm not going to let the dog down. 
and, and Marcus has done a great job and has stayed in our lives. Um, we're best friends and we communicate every morning. We, um, we have a little, um, actually, um, Jason started a, a little men's group that we just text every morning a Bible verse and how it can be applied in your life. And it opens up communication between all of us. There's seven, eight guys on this. And we've been doing it now for some three years. And, um, but there were a couple of men that, that pitched in with me when I told them the story and helped me get Marcus some money. And we, we didn't pay anywhere near the $50,000 mark, but we wanted to make sure that he knew that we were um, trying to cover him, you know, and, and thank him. And in return, I've, I've done my best to promote him. It's Limitless Canines. You can look him up on YouTube. And, and um, I've sold several dogs for him. And um, you know, I have one now. Are you really? I do. Nine <laughs> months old. His name is Argos. And um, so... Now, I feel like I'm part of the club a yeah, little bit. Absolutely. You're, yeah, you're definitely that. Um, yeah, so, you know, that, uh, that, that story obviously means a lot to me, right? Um, and I, uh, it, you know, I wanted to make sure that I, I was, you know, the show is, you know, we mentor for military, right? But, um, and we talk a lot about mental health and stuff, but, um, at the same time, the military needs mentors, uh, and, you know, having Dave as that, you know, is, he, he has nothing to do with the military. I, I mean, as far as like, you know, structure and all that, you know, and, you know, anything going on, um, doesn't care what rank you are, you know, any of that, none of that matters. Um, and I wasn't, he, he, he doesn't care that his family and friends, they didn't care like whether I, what I wore on my chest or, you know, at the things I'd done. Um, and oh, thank God every day that I found a, a, a mentor like him and his family in my life and the, the men that I've been introduced to since then. And, um, I spent three years, you know, kind of, you know, for lack of better terms, unfuck myself. <laughs> um, it took a long time, you know, and, um, uh, uh, unfortunately I, I ended up, you know, several years, you know, year and a, almost three years now, but, uh, getting divorced, you know, and I, uh, yeah, I haven't done everything right since then, but I've, I've definitely, um, got my mantra, you know, better every day. And, uh, I, I went to counseling. I still do counseling. Um, I do self-help, you know, I went my, like, 15 months, um, with no social media, you know, to, um, do the hard things, you know, like, find out, find me, you know, and, uh, regardless whether you've, you know, been in the military or you're, whatever you're doing, like, everybody has a darkness, some, you know, from something, you know, PTSD from something, unfortunately, they've had to do it, and, I don't mean everybody, but some people's had a great life, but the ones that do, like, does, it isn't gauged by w what you've seen in combat. It's gauged by what, how you react that as a person and how you, you know, a, a small car crash might be nothing to me, but it might ruin your entire life. So I, I used to judge, you know, and I used to, you know, if you weren't, you know, hard ass or like me, like I was like, I don't need you, you know? And uh, that's the wrong 
thought process and that doesn't develop anybody and I I took took it on the chin for the what people around me and meant to me um and I had to uh and I had to find myself for my kids you know and since um since that night I, I got a grandson now I uh my, my son what I put a scroll on my son um I've seen graduate high school like none of that would ever happen you know so <clears throat> no no matter who you are in life you know whether you're a fucking army ranger or you know the walmart greener you know you got your own problems you know but um there are people out there that love and care about you um that want to see you do better and uh would, would literally do anything for you to do that and um I um I I was selfish, you know. I uh thought that my problems were the only ones that mattered and that uh nobody else gave a shit and uh everybody around me would be better off without me. But you're not at that time frame though, um you're not thinking about secondary effects. No. You know, you're really not even thinking about yourself, but you're certainly not thinking about secondary effects and, you know, secondary post-traumatic stress that you're going to leave behind um, an effect. You know, you, you, and I've seen, you know, guys talk about post-traumatic stress and, and everything else. And they've even, there's been some guys that even gone on the circuit and actually gone around and talked about it. Yet then they, I've seen some take their life as well afterwards. But there, you know, so it happens. We're we're not thinking about that um, that loved one, that child, that um, spouse, or whomever, friends, or whatever. They're going to be impacted by that decision, that single decision alone. And maybe if you could catch that glimpse in that moment, or open that doorway where you can have that conversation with that individual. Um, and you can get inside that soul to, to explain the importance of that and that you don't want to do that. You know the effects of post-traumatic stress. The last thing you want to do is give that to a loved one. Absolutely. And um, for me, you know, I, I uh, since that time, I, and I, I try to do better, and, I, and hopefully when I retire, like, I can dedicate more of my time and life to, to helping uh people with PTSD and soldiers and rangers and just, you know, in, individuals. But um, I still go to counseling, like I said, but I, I do, I tell people my story, you know. It, it's obviously not easy for me to sit here and be emotional in front of thousands of people are going to listen to this show, but if that saves one person's life, hell yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. And um, so I, uh, I, I, talk to people about it openly um i i used to be like prideful and boastful and i was like man i'm too hard i'm too hard for that you know that's bullshit and um no that is bullshit yeah, yeah. and uh but you also f- you were also willing whether it was um organic or something else there you had to be somewhat willing to um self-reflect and, and change and at the same time frame you recognize somebody that could help you go through that process and cross over the other side and be a mentor and let's face it um <clears throat> you know in mentoring 
I'm not a big fan of programs where they assign you a mentor because it's not always effective as it is if it comes out very naturally and you find somebody, a mentor is is meant to be there to um, cause you to think, ask you a question, give you a thought, and then allow you to process. Not coach, which means I'm going to teach you how to do it. That's a very different thing from mentoring. And so that's why it's so challenging or difficult because not every mentor is designed to be, you know, for, with every person. You got to find the right type of mentor. But you must have been willing and open to to be mentored, and then yeah. that's where you realize that you got somebody sitting right here that absolutely willing um, to do that. The, uh, Dave and I've had hundreds and hundreds of conversations about, uh, you know, where he's been and things he's done and. Um, his, his feelings and you know our feelings and, and those type of things and how, what what makes him tick, you know and uh, how he you know found that he was you know humbled to me and 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 exposed those things that were to me and it just to me it was like if if this man is this successful you know and this amazing family and you know one thing about and this is what I was talking about like never forgetting where you come from right like um that and that's definitely what dave and all of his friends are that's what they do they never forget where they come from because you know sometimes in the military you know like we you know we have a decent salary if you will once you get to be an ea maybe but um we uh they they never judge you on any of those things and it never matters you know um, but we don't, sometimes we don't feel like we're at that level, right? Because you, you know, regardless whether you want to or not, society sets, sets standards. Yeah. You know, here's where this person is because they make this much money or they, here's where this person is because they're this prestigious and here's where this people is. And, and society set that, you know, and, you know, over years, people have just evolved to going, that's kind of where your stature is in life and that's where you're at. Right. <clears throat> so me, me coming, you know, from, uh, uh, my background and then my, um, uh, you know, the little old paycheck in the army, you know, like I always felt like this is where I fit in right here on these standards because society said that. And Dave was like, hell no, you know, actually the way this works is here's where all of you are right in the status and here's where all of we are and that's how it should be you know and i still don't feel that way but uh but i i i feel and understand it more about about how the the how it works and and, and all it links together and um whenever people don't kind of understand that it it they feel like you know in definitely in the, the army you've in any military but you you know you feel like you're you know kind of beneath people you know and you i've heard i've, I've been in the army 17 years and people are like oh you're in the military i'm like oh yeah i'm in the military uh, just in the military that's fine you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, like derogatory about it now i've had people say stupid shit now yeah uh, but um i don't care I, I fight for them just the same as i fight for everybody else and so, so does all the people that, that are in the army um but I did. Um, I found that in Dave, and he helped me. Dave. Well, I told Jason from day one. He said, "Man, he said I appreciate the way you always show the military respect." I said, 
all, everybody, all my friends do that, you know, and he's yeah. like, yeah, right, whatever. And uh, so I remind him every time he meets a new friend that he goes, man, that's, that's a great guy. How did you meet him? I said, I told you that all my friends feel that way. So, <clears throat> yeah, we're, we're all huge supporters of the military and very grateful for yeah. what they do for us. Well, and, and I think that it's important to recognize because something that we do in the military, um, not everybody, because I don't want to peanut butter it, but... There's a good bit of us that at, at some point of our career, we start thinking of us and them, them being people who don't serve from those of us who do serve and oh, they don't understand me or, you know, whatever the case may be. And a lot of it's ourselves as we, if we try to bridge that divide a little bit more, we we recognize we have more common ground than we do things apart. Um, but we tend to not think about it that way. And yet, you know, instead of finding a mentor that of somebody that was a struggling, you know, E8, a sergeant major or a, an officer or something like that, somebody who served, who actually went through some of the same challenges and, and maybe has come out the other side and, and can help you through that as a mentor, you've, you just recognize the people in your circle. Purity, like, you know. Genuine people, and you feel that, you know what I mean? You're like, yeah. this is like a genuine person. You, you like weren't it. looking for a criteria sheet that said, no. oh, yeah, checks that block. Yep, checks that now block. I have people tell me, um, and I've done plenty of counseling, so uh, I feel like I have a pretty um, robust resume to talk on. <laughs> uh, so I uh, people tell me all the time, like, man, nah, I ain't going to talk to that. You know, that's kind of stupid. You know, what the hell do they know? You know, you know, um, they they don't know how, they don't understand what I've done or been through. And, and when I say that, like, it, it, it not always, everybody always relates it back to like, oh, you're, you know, these people are war-torn people. And I, it's not always about that, right? And it, and most often or not, probably not about that. <clears throat> um, but uh, they're always, I'm not talking to person, I'm not talking to that person, but uh, uh, a, a counseling is a relationship, you know, when you find a counselor. And I've, I've, DX many of counselors, you know, got rid of them. Like, man, you know what? I just don't connect with that counselor. Man, I pick up the phone, call military one source again, and be like, didn't like that one. Give me another list. <laughs> you know, until I found Monica, uh, my uh, do Dr. Sparks. Um, <laughs> she's badass. And uh, until I found her, I cut that cord and I was like, pick up the phone. I was like, that one didn't work. <laughs> and, uh, until you find that relationship, because that's what it is. And it's not about like, I, I'm not looking for a counselor or uh, somebody that's done exactly what I do and how do they deal with it. I wanted to look for somebody who just knew how to give me techniques to cope with it. Uh, well, he was already a friend. No, I was talking about, I'm talking, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, Dave, but I'm talking about like, I'm telling, like I was talking about going to counseling. Like right, people, right. I, was, I was saying like people go to their counselors to find their, and they say, I don't go to counseling because I don't want to do, they don't know, or they don't do this. Right. Um, but when I found Monica, my counselor, I didn't, I don't judge her in fact that she never, you know, done anything or, you know, from childhood to war like mine. Um, I just wanted to feel that relationship whenever I sat down and talked to them, feel comfortable, you know, and felt like, um, they, I wasn't being judged, you know, like Dave and them, like you're not being judged. They, they just want to talk to you and like help you and, and just, you know, give you 
techniques and that what they got them through their party parts in life. And um, at the end of the day, you know, like Dr. Sparks, is 15 years of school, like you've learned something in the technique world, you know, like it's probably working. So uh, I, I tell people all the time, like, why? I was like, that's a stupid thing to say, man. Don't say you, you, they won't understand because you don't need them to understand your exact situation. You need them to understand you and how to help you, and they know how to help you. So, um, you know, that vulnerability, and I talked to Dave before my last deployment, and I dropped off all my uh, social media, and, you know, my buddy Rick gave me a couple hard answers and hard questions, and Dave was like, here's, you know, some things to think about, and I spent the last, like, year digging deep, you know, and finding the me and the why, the why matters, I say that all the time, and uh, and my purpose, you know, and Dave has been, um, you know, I, I struggled for retirement, and I struggled on what I'm going to do, and uh, Dave has, after I come back and after I, you know, went through some more stuff, I, Dave helped me find that purpose, you know, and, and, and by introducing me to the other people, you know, and let me see that there's, you know, life after the military and, um, like, you, you, you know, Army and military people, they, they don't, and I definitely didn't, and I, I still kind of, you know, still kind of gray area, but I'm, he's getting me through it. Uh, understand, like, your, your worth and just your knowledge that you already know and do every day in the Army. And, uh, and Dave has, you know, opened, you know, roads and pathways for me to kind of see that and where I want to take my future. So, I mean, for you was, you know, he's he's laying it out like uh, as if you you already had this plan and roadmap of how you were going to help Jason. It was all organic and all natural, right? One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. We just started out as friends. Um, I respected him as a fighter, and I booked him, and um, you know. I would come down and, and see the combatives group down here, and I'd book them as fighters. I yeah. had, had no real intention other than, remember I said I was probably only good at two things. <laughs> one of them is uh, loving people, and, and uh, the second one is building relationships. And so I just organically, I loved the military. I appreciated everything they did, and I built relationships. And uh, Jason responded, and, um, you know, we just we just struck up a friendship. and. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how that all started. And then just over the last year, when Jason started talking about, you know, I was thinking about getting reti- you know, retiring, but I don't know what I would do. And, and just being a friend, I said, Jason, I said, my God, you got you know, the greatest skills in the world. I mean, you lead 218 men. I don't, I don't have a business that has 218 employees. You know, and, and the education that you have to lead um, and, and what the military has done to educate you, to teach you how to lead men, is very valuable yeah. in business. Yeah. Um, these are all qualities that I wish I had. And uh, so Jason's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I have these qualities. And I'm like, get over yourself right now. <laughs> you know, like, I love it. Um, <laughs> you're, you're an idiot. But, yeah. um, everybody I know would, would love to have you come in and create systems. I said, you, you get... 30 men to jump out of us 47 in the middle of the night and hostile territory and and you set up the entire you know the the programs and you work work on the plans and you go out and execute the plans and these guys believe in you i said business is no different 
I said, you know, we need exactly what you have. And so somewhere deep inside, I guess it's and, and when I'm coaching him on who who he really is, it dawns on me that, my God, I need a Jason. <laughs> I need a Jason in my business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, so, so then I said, uh, why, why don't you come up here and look at my business and tell me what I'm doing wrong? And, um, you know, it's financially successful, but it's a little cluster. And um, I realized after talking with um, Jason and he, he rides around kind of what I've been proud of for 20 years. And he's like, Oh my God, Dave, yes, this is a mess. Like, uh, we got to clean this up. You know, you're going to have a heart attack, buddy. And, um, he starts talking to me about systems and, and creating roadmaps and business plans. And, and I'm like, I'm supposed to be the professional. <laughs> I, I love it. I looked at him and, and I said, Jason, I said, listen, listen at you. I mean, I'm sitting in the front seat, you know, and I said, you're, you're the guy that was asking me what your self-worth was. And now you're coaching me on business and systems. And I said, this is, this is what you're going to do, buddy. And, um, he's, he's like, yeah, I want to do it. So then within a, a week or so, he sends me his business plan, what he wants to do and how, how he sees the value. And he starts sending me names of people that are, I mean, phenomenal individuals that he worked with that their resume is sickening. Like, I don't get to interview people like that, you know? And, um, so out of that strikes a lot of confidence now with Jason and who he is and what he has to offer. But not only that, you know, as much of a patriot as I've always been and the love that I have for the military and, and my, I'm so appreciative, I never really thought about seeking out the highest level of military to uh, come and help me in my business or help other entrepreneurs in their business. Um, there is a tremendous need for the education and the leadership that um, the military has that the business sector needs. Uh, absolutely. And, and I think that most of the time, the, um, and I'm not going to try to knock the private sector on this uh, a whole lot, but there are military-friendly businesses, which really in some cases uh, may mean that they're they're targeting individuals for a specific few jobs within their company that they think are entry points based on what their knowledge is of the military, and they haven't opened up their mind um, to what it really could be, and nor is there, there are some programs out there, I know within the soft community, but not within all conventional military, where they're really trying to take an individual, their skill sets, like what you talked about and said, let me show you how you can apply that and add value back to a company. Um, fortunately, there is a program that's out there that the military just talked. Uh, we talked about it recently on a couple episodes where you can do a little bit of an, uh, um, an internship, you know, and, and get paid by the military to come and work for someone like yourself that you, you get free help now for, you know, six months. And um, they can learn the ropes of a business, what it takes and, and everything else while you're getting free help that is a person who is of a high caliber, is a sponge, willing to learn, you're willing to teach them and that type of stuff. And if we can get that going a lot more, I think we're going to bridge this divide a whole lot better. But you're going to also start recognizing the quality of the product that's available that you didn't realize that was out there. It, that's what's amazing. The yeah. quality of the of the product that's out there. Yeah, I've interviewed, uh, I guess, maybe three of three guys that work with Jason, um, they're at another level. 
uh, actually, after the, the first night, I had to go write down some questions so I at least sounded intelligent. <laughs> these, these are the smart, smartest people I've ever dealt with in my life. And I go back to work, and I love my staff, but it's not at the same level. You know, I love my staff, but they're not at the same level as as, um, as these guys that Jason's introduced me to, and um, so I just I just feel like a knucklehead for not um, not really knowing that before. Yeah, well, it's not it's not necessarily your fault. I just don't think we do a very good job of advertising it, and you know there there are. Um there are there's a focus that we tend to talk about soft skills oh you you come into uh, the private sector with a lot of opportunities look at all these soft skills that you have and everything but there are real hard skills in in um maybe i'll use it again wisdom uh knowledge that comes from years of experience that you're also just you know you can't overlook it's you know like you said all of those things that he has accomplished i've sat down and tried to help um some people that are, you know, kind of within my circle or people who know me who have provided their resumes are getting out and they're saying, hey, Robert, I want you to take a look at it. And, you know, they've gone through the, um, let's say, the Army's transition assistance program and the resume looks like something that um, basically um, somebody who's getting out of high school, you know, that's the way they've been asked to format it in a one-page resume. Um, dude, you, you just spent eight years, 10 years, 12 years doing something, and you, you're trying to fit it in one page. You know, I, I forget this whole one-page stuff out there. For anybody who's listening, I will look at a resume as a, as a hiring manager, and I literally take about 10, 15 seconds to look at a resume. I'll look at how well it's structured and everything else, sure. But what I want to know is, do you have enough meat on the bone there that I'm going to want to spend more than my first 10 or 15 seconds looking at it? And when you attract me and you got the hook and I look inside that resume, if there's enough stuff that where you've described yourself well enough that I want to pick up the phone and call you because it's your first impression. And so we always talk about you only get one shot of making a good first impression. So, well, this is your first impression. If it's one page and it's set up with just a couple sentences on it, I don't know anything about you and I'm taking a whole lot of risk and bringing you into my business, right? So I think we could do a lot better in educating individuals who might be interested uh, that I think we're not doing as much of a service on right now and in helping them prepare for that that transition. And they don't know any different because this is, you know, they're, they're learning how to pack a ruck. You know, they're learning how to, you know, get ready for the next mission and everything else. And now all of a sudden their next mission is making that transition and going out. <clears throat> but I think this is where we could we could bridge a lot of that um, divide. Project management is a great opportunity. I know it's kind of an overkill thing, but skills that these individuals are bringing in terms of project management, like you're describing of uh, Jason, you know, being able to prepare, uh, knowing what goes into all those things, you know, create an operation order. You know, you, you know everything that has to go in to make that as successful. Building your contingencies, you know, two is one. You know, all those types of things that are overlooked a lot of times by even people in the private sector. And certainly as someone, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's even more challenging because you don't always have the mentoring and the guidance and everything to build a business. You, you go out there and it's trial and error. Absolutely. My dad died when I was uh, 24 years old, and so I was kind of on my own after that. And um, I, uh, like I said, I, I had dyslexia. The only thing I was ever good at 
when in high school was throwing a baseball, I was left-handed. And um, I had a brain surgery and lost the feeling on the left side of my face, my arms. I couldn't feel my hand anymore. So baseball was over for me. So I had no idea what I was going to do. All I knew is that I would outwork anybody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I I started um, a pressure washing business in 1988. I was a a paramedic on an ambulance, worked 24 on 48 off, and that lasted for just a a few months. And... um, I started my own business, and I had mentors along the way uh, in Brick Mason. I had a guy named Bruce Jones that really took me under his wing, and he came to my house, and he said, hey, do you know how to clean masonry? And I said, no, I don't know. He said, well, we're going to learn together. Come on. And the first job I did was a a high school that was being built in our community, and um, so I was scared to death. It was this big project, and so one thing kind of led to, to another, and I had mentors that just helped me along the way, and uh, the only thing I could do was build relationships and I'll hustle everybody that, that was in the field, you know, and it worked. Good yeah. foundational uh, pieces right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it worked. So when I get around Jason's guys that actually have skill sets, I know they're right. I just didn't know the, I didn't know a name for it, you know. I didn't know, I, I know we need to build these systems this way because I know it because I had to go learn it the hard way. And I don't know the proper educated names for each one of these, but as Jason started talking, I'm like, you got names for everything that I know in my heart. That's how I operate. And and then you introduce me to guys that are uh, college educated, um, you know, West Point graduates, you know, I mean, these guys with 20 pound brains yeah. and, um, and I'm sitting communicating with them and it's just amazing. Um, I, I would love to become a huge advocate for um, for these military um, soldiers that are, are wanting to leave the military and get into the private sector. Because if I can go do it and be successful, and they get to know me, they're going to know that they can be successful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take that much. Well, there and there are quite a few individuals who are in the service that um, start entrepreneurial opportunities while they're still in. And I think they're always looking for people like yourself who've been successful. What are the, what is the criteria to success? And I know there's books that are out there written and such, but sometimes it's just trial and error. It's uh, going out there. And if at first you don't succeed, try and try again, or, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of massage your business plan as to how you're moving through this thing, because that's not working due to this. And if you just make some small tweaks, then you're going to be just fine or it's just not for you. You need to drop that and go a different direction. But um, the reason why, I don't know what the statistics are about entrepreneurship, but the reason why that statistic is so high for failure is um, because of all those roadblocks and challenges and things that typically people don't think about along the way. um, And they sink everything they've got into that opportunity or not. Um, because that could also be a failure and, and, uh, it just doesn't pan out because they didn't do all that prior planning. And had they not made those bad, poor decisions or whatever, then they'd be a whole lot better off and, and their business would be successful. But I, I like that, you know, again, what you, you described there earlier, Jason was built off of just initially a, a friendship foundation. Right. Me and, uh, <clears throat> me and Dave literally never talked business until, until you brought it up that you're wanting to go out. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, we didn't ever stop, start talking like hard, like like business, like, hey, I'm going to come work for you um, until maybe like 
three months ago maybe mm-hmm. um but i just used him as a mentor to give me you know like his his professional guidance and how he's been successful uh to make my decision on you know getting in getting out or staying in um and you know i like i said i use him as a, a mentor and a brother to kind of give me that um where do I find my value? Because I know where I find my value now as a person. And I spent, a, you know, a year, a solid year, like, finding that, you know. And um, I know what I want in life, you know. And I never, I knew that I want, you know, the whole, for the last 17 years I knew I wanted to be an Army Ranger and I wanted to do this, 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 and it. But, but that's what, that's what, that's a thing, you know. That's not a me. Right. And, and I, spent a, I spent 17 years being a thing, you know. But now uh, I spent it the last year, um finding the me and uh, I know I know the me now and I, I owe Dave and his family that uh, for, for helping you know guide that ship and um, in the thought process and uh, I, I've never been more confident about my future than I am now you know and um, and and what I want as a person in life like not not things money and um, that's just going to come and go and you know but one day at the you know uh, 11th hour like <laughs> none of that's going to matter you know um, so as long as I, I can um, be a good person, you know, that, that's, that's I, I, I've been a pretty shitty person in a lot of times and frames in my life, and admittedly so, and uh, I've probably ruined relationships that maybe would have panned out in another direction, and I've uh, been mean, rude, or ugly to people that I probably didn't need to be, and so on and so forth, but that's that's the who I was, not who I am. Um, and. And, you know, because of Dave, his family, um, you know, uh, surround myself with good people, Christian people, giving me direction, you know, at, at 40 years old now, like I, maybe I'm, maybe it was late, maybe it's better now than ever, but um, I feel super confident in like what I want out of life and the type of people I want to surround myself with and the type of things that I want to uh, do in life. And it, it, it's not, a, it not, I don't want to be a thing, I, I want to be a person and Dave and his family and, and finding that good mentor is um it is what took to get me where i'm at today in the thought process so i'd like to see people do it at a lot earlier age um and uh, my kids have seen the hard road dad you know and and they see a different dad now um for they 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 tell me that but uh i I try to you know i don't tell my kids do this do this do this you know as much as i used to i just tell them like hey look I love you, and this is decisions that you're going to have to make on your own. And if I make them for you, um, you, you, you are going to regret the decisions. Um, but I, I, I will always be there for you, and I'll help you, guide you, mentor you, um, because that's what you need. I can't make the decisions for you unless, as long as it's not immoral, unethical, or illegal, uh, that you just have to figure it out. And uh, I, the old me would have, you know, been micromanaged that situation and, and and done it myself and uh like i said i think david in for that but, but one thing i did I, we we missed dave i wanted to i wanted you to tell this is a super great story about um the flag the hurricane flag or the, oh, uh, yeah. the tornado, tornado. this is a super great story the tuscaloosa tornadoes yeah yeah, yeah back you know was it april the uh, 27th uh 2011 um, we got hit by uh, 13 tornadoes that day in, in our area. And I actually got hit on the 13th of April. At, um, I have a, had a small farm down in Hale County. It got hit at like 11 o'clock that morning. 
my house got hit at um, like three o'clock in the afternoon and my business office got hit by the same tornado. Um, and then on the 27th is when the big one came through that killed so many people. And uh, I had some heavy equipment and um, so I went out right after the storm and started trying to help people with, I had skid, uh, skid steers and grapple buckets and some dump beds and I just wanted to go help people, you know, try to get trees off and over a period of days, FEMA came in and uh, Samaritan's Purse came in and uh, lots of people were there and I was just working around neighborhoods just trying to help people and had lost everything. And um, I was by myself running the skid steer and um, there was a lot of people around cutting trees on other lots and um, I, I picked up a, a house that was completely crushed and um, as I was picking up a, a, a grapple load I thought I saw a, a piece of a flag and so I got out pulled my headphones out you know and I'm digging through the rubble and I'm like oh my god that is a flag and so I start um, peeling the rubble back and um, I'm by myself and I, I peel the rubble back and I get the flag out and I, I dust it off and it's dirty and it's got rips in it and um, you know I'm just sitting here thinking to myself you know, to myself that you know, this is this is what we're doing we're helping people you know and it's the greatest flag in the world and I put this flag out and I fold it up and I start to walk to my truck and there's 50 to 100 people that are have stopped and saw me digging this flag out and when I when I pulled it out they all started screaming and hollering and cheering and it was like one of the greatest moments of my life you know and I'm by yeah. myself there's nobody I'm like oh, I had a video of this you know I'm trying to tell so I come home and I, I tell my wife about this flag and about what happened and so for my birthday it was in uh, in June she took the flag and had it um, framed and it's framed exactly like it was the day I found it with the tears and the dirt and and it just says standing proud you know April 27 2011 that's awesome yeah so it's in my house it's been in my business ever since you know this first thing you saw when you, you ever in. find the owner never um, found the owner never never found anything else out about the flag I have no idea where it came from yeah you know, stuff was literally scattered everywhere yeah if anybody's not familiar familiar with that um, episode I mean it's it's well known especially for people down here in the south about um, you know that those tornadoes that came through there. Uh, I think that was in F four. Was it F four or F five? Yeah, F four. Long track. Yeah, and uh, I mean serious, serious, serious damage that uh, happened to Tuscaloosa. And um, what an amazing story! Thanks for for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first off, I just want to, you know, say how much I appreciate, Dave, you coming on uh, the show. You, you you probably didn't have any idea what you were getting yourself into when you walked in the door. Um, but I think what's so great about this is Jason being able to um, share his journey further than what he already did on his episodes that he, you know, he talked about, but then talked about the role that you played in all of that. Um, and it sounds like you've done more just through your friendship without you even realizing it which is always the best of um, not just that moment in that time at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, but then since then, you know, all the ways in which you've been impactful, um, just amazing. Well, he's been, uh, he's been just that amazing. He's been that impactful uh, to my family, my wife, 
my daughter, my son. Um, you know, my son, every question he has, and it, as now he starts his military journey in the Air Force, and he calls Jason or, uh, you know, Jason sends him letters or um, just help. He's, he's a big brother, you know, and it's kind of a neat process because I, I don't know the answers to the some of the questions he's asking, yeah. you know, and um, I believe it takes a tribe to, to raise a child, and um, I'm very careful who I put in my tribe, and, and I would take a, a thousand Jasons um, any day of the week to come be a part of our team. Um, you know, I just hope we're as much of an asset to him as he has been to us. So, More than he'll ever know, Dave. Well, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun for sure, and we have great times. It's it's not always doom and gloom, sad yeah. stories, yeah, or me teaching lessons. <laughs> I mean, we're as goofy as as the next guy, but um, you know, we like to laugh a lot, and he likes to sing and play, and it's not that good. But it is horrible. <laughs> it is horrible. I'll tell you, he, he gives me a lot of confidence because I I really suck singing, you know. But, but he's uh, he sings and uh, plays the guitar, and I'm like, God, if he can do that, I can do anything, you know, because uh, you know he just sucks. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I taught myself on deployment. That's yeah. what I thought that no, it's, me, so. it's truly amazing. He taught himself to play and um, on YouTube, and he really is good. I'm I'm just kidding. And he's yeah. really got a great voice, you know. He just doesn't sing in the right key sometimes. It's a great. <laughs> Trying to find that. Got got Casey to help me. Back. Yeah, yeah. We have <laughs> a friend that can really both ears. It's a tendonitis in the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, we we keep it real, man. If he's um, if he's needs a kick in the butt, I, I definitely give him one. And, and that's a good thing, you know. That's a, what I was ten, uh, saying is like, you, when you surround yourself with people, I'm, when I say that, you know, like good people and like minded, all that, like you're not looking for the person who's gonna pat you on the back and tell you everything you do is right. You're looking for, you know, I, I want to find people in my circle that are going to do just like they like, no, you're, this is, you're, you're the problem right now. You're, you're jacked up. Like, think about it, you know, and run you through all the scenarios and be, be that too when you need it. I, I really messed Jason up. This, a few months ago, Jason, he called me and he was extremely upset over a situation. And um, I answered the phone, and he's like, gives me this spill, and he's upset. And I said, well, that is great. I said, I am so good, glad that happened to you. And it was dead silence for like two. That's matter now. I bet he was like, you know, Dave, all those nice things I said about you, I take them back. But, um, but it was yeah. a lesson, though, and that's, what, and that's what you need, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I've passed that lesson along since, like, you know, uh, the whole uh, – uh, you've worded better than I do. Well, I he's don't like, know which part. The, the, <laughs> the, the part where, you know, he's like, you, you know, the people that come into your life, you know, the bad people learn that from them. And, and then. Oh, yeah. You got to use, um, you know, if the greatest thing we can ask for is wisdom, and wisdom comes from a multitude of counselors, um, you know, you, you may love the way I raise my family, but you don't like the way I execute my business. And so you can take something from me that I'm doing well, and you apply that in your life. But, you know, you got to be careful who you get your advice from because you might end up with their income. And so I, I might not go ask a broke guy how to make money. You yeah. Know? Um, so the guy that gave him some advice, it was not in his expertise, and he gave him some poor advice. Well, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You got to look at the guy that gave you advice and say, you know what? I forgive you for what you said because I realize I asked the wrong person the wrong question. 
And so that doesn't apply in my life. I don't, I don't accept that in my life because I asked the wrong person the wrong question. I wouldn't ask one of my buddies how to go kick a door in and, um, you know, capture a bad guy. I mean, yeah. he didn't know that. He'd get me killed, right? <laughs> but he, he may be my banker, and I need to know how finance works. Right. And so he can give me phenomenal advice in that area. So the, the guy that Jason asked the question was just the, he asked the wrong question to the wrong guy, and it really upset him. And so I just pointed it out. I was, laughed at him, and I said, man, I'm glad you asked that question because uh, this is a great moment here because we won't ever do that again, right? <laughs> it was that last because when I called him, I was madder than hell. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and then he said, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad he said that. And I was like, Phew. Yeah. <laughs> and then he explained it, and I was like, damn, that's a lesson learned there. Well, I want to give an opportunity for you once again, though, uh, to not only mention Marcus's business, but also your own, um, you know, as part of an opportunity here, you know, you're, you're getting a chance to speak to other people and share, share that again so that people can find more out about Marcus for sure. Yeah, Marcus owns uh, Limitless Canines, and you can find him on Instagram, YouTube, um, Facebook, uh, phenomenal guy. I mean, you're just not going to find anybody any better. Um, I really think he is the dog whisperer because mm -hmm. I, he walks into a room and my dog is jumping on people and he just like speaks language that I don't understand, you know, um, and he acts right, makes me look bad. So <laughs> give me some of that, Marcus. Um, and then for, for my business, I'm just a small entrepreneur. Um, my wife and I have had a salon and spa in Tuscaloosa it's called TL Signature Salon for over 20 years. And um, then I own a company with a partner, Dr. Tidwell, that is accident spine and rehab. And we do a personal injury work and um, do a lot of objective finding um, medical scenarios. Um, for people that can't afford insurance or their deductibles are too high and they, they can't afford to go to the doctor. So we, we try to give them some help and relief with that. Uh, I own rental properties and um, uh, I've got another company called PCRDX, PCR Diagnostics. And um, we have uh, laboratories that they're high complexity molecular labs that are in, uh, have one in Gainesville, Georgia, uh, one in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, and one in Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, and opening a new one in uh, New Orleans. Um, so uh, we didn't really get in the business um, for COVID. We actually said we would not test for COVID, <laughs> and um, we got overrun with COVID, you know. So yeah. Yeah. Um, the last couple of years, we've been doing a lot of COVID tests. So, um, but those, you know, I bought and sold companies. I built companies and sold them. Um, I'm just a serial entrepreneur. You know, I, I built and sold uh, Strike Hard to B2 Digital. If you like the fighting industry, it's the minor leagues of B2. It's a publicly traded company. And um, I was just at the fights last night. It's amazing. You can find them on uh, Instagram, YouTube, they pay-per-view. Uh, they're they're going to fight 60 fights over the next 52 weeks. So that's a neat, neat deal. So Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing all that because I think your wide array of entrepreneurship there gives hope to some people who may think that they've got to hone in on one specific niche or, or whatever. And what you're, you're describing there is, you know, things from diagnostic testing to salons to, to whatever demonstrates that you don't have to put your toes into just one piece of water. You know, you can, you can go all over. It can, yes. you know. Yes. My mind works that way anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, but... <laughs> Um, 
I love people. I build relationships with people. And um, there's a lot of people that have great ideas but don't know how to p- apply them. And, um, you know, that's probably what I'm good at is, is um, being able to get the right people in place and get the right people on the bus, whether it be, um, you know, your insurance team, your um, attorneys, your bankers. I, I can get these people all together. And, um, and we start executing, you know, what is your dream? You know, what do you want to do and how do you want to do it? And then we start figuring out, you know, is there a need? Um, you know, what's the uh, profit potential in the need? And then you start developing a plan. And so that's just kind of what I'm, I'm good at. Is, and that's how I've ended up in so many collective different businesses, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dave, thank you again for taking time out to come on our show and, you know, sitting here and allowing this guy to share your story and uh, thank you, brother. joining him. Well, I appreciate you. It was very humbling to get to come here. So thank you very much for letting me come. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you.